Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they get it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. What's up, the generation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Tuesday night college basketball betting preview. I'm your host, Stucky, and joining me as always are my co-host, Mike Calabrese and BJ Cunningham. Gentlemen, we took a took day off yesterday. It should be a national holiday. I think in 2017, 2027, I mean, I think it's going to be President's Day as follows the Super Bowl. I'm pretty sure, I think. I think that's 2027. Although Valentine's Day being two days after the Super Bowl, is not ideal um, from uh, an, an attention standpoint. Uh, I wish I had more energy for to show my wife today after the weekend. But Mike, how's it going? It's going all right. I'm still recovering emotionally from the Super Bowl. Um, as I said on Twitter, the Eagles didn't lose because of that holding call. But the whole crowd where it's like, if you don't want to get called for a penalty, don't commit one. I those people can absolutely kick rocks. I, I hate them. Um, and we're going to see it during March Madness. You're going to see it in every other sport. You know, when you essentially do what, you know, the NHL does, which down the stretch, don't let pivotal moments get, you know, overshadowed by ticky tack calls. That's the only sport that gets it. Every other sport is susceptible to it. So you're just going to have to accept it. There's going to be some March Madness games where it's the ref show all over again. And then also in general, it's kind of a, a wacky month for me. I cover all kinds of things. I don't know if you guys know, I worked in politics uh, out of college. I actually worked for Mario Gabelli's hedge fund for a cup of coffee. I was a junior political analyst. So Nikki Haley running for president as of this morning. So I updated some odds there. I didn't even see that. Yeah. So she's she's in the game. Her DeSantis Trump should be interesting. So uh, anyone who's looking for political futures, feel free to hit me up on social media. What are those odds right now? She is plus uh, 810 to win the Republican nomination, and then it's more or less a coin flip uh, between DeSantis and Trump. What's interesting is that Trump, you know, being the way that he is, he's going to go so hard at DeSantis. He's already said some incredibly outlandish things about him. So do they end up in kind of a death spiral and she just steps over them? Um, we'll see, but she uh, she's never lost an election, and she's a fundraising behemoth, so she'll definitely raise enough money to stay in it. And the very first or first or second Republican primary is in South Carolina, her home state, so she may get a little bump there at the beginning. Yeah, interesting. 
Yeah, I, I'm. I've as far as the Super Bowl and that call. I mean, I've, I've stayed consistent all year. I mean, I, I get the like, hey, it's a it's a penalty. Um, so call the penalty. But like, I had money on. I had a lot of money on the Chiefs. I had. I wanted the Chiefs to win against the Bengals. Um, and I, I would not have called. I disagreed with calling that. I know it was a personal foul. Um, and it was kind of a late hit on Mahomes. But there was no. It wasn't malicious. Mahomes kind of flopped as well. And it was, you know, he was trying the defenders trying to go to the Super Bowl. I don't decide a game there. There's a time and place to throw certain flags. I also don't don't throw the flag on the holding there. They it was a game where they were letting most things go, which made me happy because Carl Sheffers is known as a flag happy ref. And a lot of times in these big games, you do see the officials just, you know, Super Bowls, championships. They'll say, I don't want to get involved for a reason, let the players decide it. So yeah, that was a tough way. You know, it's, the game's never one play, but you hate to you hate it to end like that. So, sorry for your loss. And you you almost were off to a hot start with Gainwell, and then <laughs> yeah, I, I, I figured that yard the universe, yeah, the universe was against me on that review. And you, you, all of us have been in the game long enough. As soon as I saw it live, I was like, oh, they're going to take that away from me for sure. That it's going to be you know a tenth of an inch, and he clearly wasn't in, so it was the right call. But I agree with you, Stuck. It's like the Super Bowl wasn't determined on that one play. I think the Chiefs play better. They deserve to win. It won't be a loss that haunts me. But in general, I think the fact that that's a penalty in the current NFL is the reason why like a third of the NFL throws for 4,000 yards a game or yeah. 4,000 yards a season. It's just like the rules are so bent, which they've done over time in favor of the offense. They could recalibrate it. They could say like offensive holdings, also a loss of down or do anything to help the defense. But I don't know who the defensive coaches are on the rules committee in the offseason, but they've just been getting absolutely caved in avalanche style on all these rules in the last like 15 years. Yeah, people love to talk in absolutes, but two things can be true. That, that didn't decide the whole game, but it also you also could still be upset about it. Uh, we'll see if they they uh, ban the quarterback sneak push. We'll see another play that uh helps the offense but um i i don't think they should it's just a, uh, an advantage that you're using but we'll say bj what's going on brother how are you not much uh two things so the mahomes play against the Bengals. it's funny you mentioned that because if you show the down the sideline angle of that it was like foot hit it was so close where they yeah. you know they they show it just from uh, essentially, you know, the camera angle that it normally is. It's like, oh, yeah, it looks like it was so late. But if you look at the reverse angle, it was like he took a step and then he got like it was bas- basically like bang, bang play. So, of course, it looks bad from that angle. But And Mahomes um, is the king of faking going out of bounds. And then yeah, exactly he knows it's, people it's, can't hit him and then right. ducks inside. But they can, but they can reach, yards. but they can reach the ball out and get three or four extra yards. But, yeah. but oh god! And every yard in that case could decide if you're going to the Super exactly. Bowl. Exactly, you're in Super Bowl. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, one play doesn't decide it. It was, it was an amazing game. You know, the Chiefs got very fortunate with the long halftime with Mahomes getting his ankle hurt and everything for him to get prepared. But yeah, no, fantastic game. I live in Chiefs country, so everybody was very happy down here. Um, but it's just funny. I was talking to my brother-in-law. This is his first year ever like following the NFL, like watching every game. He's like, oh, I'll become a Chiefs fan. You know, they're the closest team to where we live and everything like that. And I was like, so how was your experience the first year following the NFL? He goes, I actually had a lot of fun. Like the Chiefs were good. You know, we just won the Super Bowl. It was a lot of fun. I'm like, well, let's talk in like four or five years when, uh, you know, maybe Mahomes is is not uh, at this elite level, which he probably will be. But, you know, it's just well, funny. According to Travis Kelsey, he picked a, a huge underdog that nobody had faith in. Right. Everybody. My number one. 
quickest way to turn me into just a rage monster. Bryce Young did it during the Georgia. Heisman season. Georgia yep. just did it. Georgia. Nobody Georgia. did it. Nobody, nobody just, everybody counted out Georgia. Everybody said we're going to be 7-5. and five. Um, <laughs> That was one of the quotes. No one said Georgia was going to be 7-5. and five. Uh, All right. Let's – quick show today. We will recap the week that was – weekend that was. We will then give our best bets for Tuesday night. A uh, little rant. I'll start with a rant. So I got cr- – I had the worst Saturday ever – for multiple reasons. You got to listen to my Saturday. You can't even picture a worse Saturday. So I don't think I've never missed a college basketball Saturday slate in my, in my entire life. And um, so number one, I, I, my plan was, so I had to go to Cleveland for the Super Bowl event. And speaking of which, getting excited about like a play with Gainwell, Colin Wilson was there and he went, there was that chiefs have picked up a scooped up a fumble. Right. And then went to the end zone, but there was clearly not a catch. Right, was it the Chiefs that did that? The Eagles, yeah, and then they yeah, overturned. It, it was clearly it was the same overturned. defender, I think. Was it Bolden on both of them? Yeah, yeah. But Colin had like a hundred to one, two defensive touchdowns in the game. Oh. Um, and he went and he was sprinting up and down the bar, and I had to go grab him. Like, dude, no, I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna overturn it. Um, so that was a brutal uh moment of pure elation that turned to oh no. But anyway, so I had to go up to Cleveland. So my plan was, I live in Lexington. There is, it's like a five hour drive. And there's no direct, fl- there's no direct flight. So like flying is just a nightmare. So my plan, whenever I go up to Cleveland, sometimes what I've done before is I have a really good friend in Cincinnati who comes with me. So I just drive to Cincy, meet him. And then he drives the rest of the way, you know, the three and a half, four hours. So my plan was do a, I had to do my big bets on campus show Monday, Saturday morning at 1030. Then I leave at 11, get up to Cincinnati by around noon. And then he drives the rest of the way. I can watch all the games on my phone have my laptop too and then we'll get there for the three or four o'clock games well he gets he gets uh sick as hell and can't go so i'm like all right i gotta drive by myself so i have like a thing on my on on the car where i just post up my phone this isn't a safe driving podcast but and i just would have a a game streaming and was driving up the boring drive and i would do it myself so i have about between noon and and four o'clock especially at two o'clock, I had about seven games going and they were all close the whole way. And then there was a couple of really bad picks. And then just every, every possible team that could have melted down in the final five minutes did. So I, but I have to be watching all of these. Like there's, there's now they're all ending at two and they're all in some are ending at three and they're all ending at four. So I have to, I'm stopping at every, every possible rest area. So it just says next rest area, 40 miles. I'm getting off that rest area and then I'm stop I'm stopping and then watching. I've all done these this games. many times before. This is this and is a classic I, degenerate move. I'm losing every single bet. And it took me seven hours um to get <laughs> all the way up a five. I made a five hour drive, seven hours, and lost every single bet. So it was a horrendous, horrendous day. I think my eight, I my eight, nine favorite bets I went 0 and 9 on. I think I finished like four and thirteen on the day. And so it was my worst Saturday since last year, since last February. And so a couple of things here. Then I had Oregon late at night. A couple of people are like messaging me like, you're, you're having an awful day. You're due. We're, I'm loading up on Oregon. I said, no, please. This is, these are the worst things that you can do. Number one, you just have to swallow days like this. I haven't had a, a bad Saturday all year, college football, college basketball. I've been petrified of it coming, but it's, they're going to come. And I, I haven't had a bad variance day. Be getting very lucky, very fortunate. And you, you never remember the lucky ones, right? You, you look back and then you watch them and you say, oh, cool, that was cool, on to the next one. You remember days like this, and that's why it feels like you're always on the wrong side. 
of these close games and these meltdowns. But I've seen it way more often than not. When you're having a terrible day, that last game of the night does not go your way more often than not. Like sometimes it's just not your day. Do not chase that that game. So you're you're down a bunch, and this is why it's you know it's all about behavior finance, not chasing, not tilting, and this is the, the hard part and what costs most people money when betting on sports. Don't chase that late that late game if you had a rough day. It will end. Sometimes it'll work, and then say it works a couple of times, but then then you're getting in the mindset of doing that. And with, no matter what you're up or down, then you're going to start doing it. And it's only eventually going to end very poorly. Um, so don't chase something. Look, I'm I was as sick as anyone on days like that. I know other people, a ton of people are following me. I'm losing a ton of money. But you got to eat those days some, sometimes and just don't chase the late game. So, yeah, that was my Saturday. Couldn't even watch all the games in rest areas, just begging for a win. I remember the, at, at one point I was in a, a rest area at an Arby's. There was like a an Arby's and then a dumpster. And then uh, I was watching this Coastal Carolina mel- completely meltdown. They were up like five with five to go. Didn't cover seven. I think they lost seven and a half. They lost by eight. And then uh, I was like, went like this, like hands over my head. And then there was just like uh, this homeless guy walking by. And he's like, it'll be all right, man. I was like, all right. I, I This is, things could be worse than this. So I got back in my car and started driving some more. Um, so yeah, that was my degenerate drive up to, Cleveland. Um, and w- what I learned from the week is I sort we sort of wrote off Kansas. Some of their depth has been showing. Like they got some five star kids uh, that just haven't been playing well. Because of take that maybe the, maybe they I wrote them off too quick. Um, the Blue Bloods, man. I mean UNC, just a pathetic effort last night. Uh, I I think I think they're done. Kentucky with a terrible loss. Mike, let me throw it to you. Any rant or takeaway from the week? Well, first of all, I want to shout out. I got my Youngstown shirt on here. I appreciate the hard work they did on Friday night. Um, I still think they're going to win the Horizon, which should be, as you brought up on the last episode, a very competitive conference tournament. But I think the Penguins are going to go dancing for the first time. I also got myself into a bad Saturday, and I had been touting to all my Lehigh buddies, this is the time to bet Lehigh against my alma mater, Loyola. And Loyola rolled out probably their best offensive performance in 10 years. They they scored 90 points in that game, just absolute absurdity in terms of variance going their way, shooting. So that one hurt. Um, In terms of a rant, I'm just so sickened by the At least St. Joe's came through the first time you touched St. Joe's. St. Joe's did come through. So not an awful run in terms of my picks here on the pod. Um, But I am just sickened by the top of the AP poll. And I finally had to look it up. I was like, let me take a year, you know, from the 90s when I really started watching college basketball. Stucky, I know you and I are about the same age. So I was like, 1999, let me look at the number one seeds from the NCAA tournament in 1999 and compare them to who we're probably going to have this year. So in 99, it was Duke, Michigan State, Auburn, and UConn. 10 total losses for those number one seeds and only one loss in the entire group to unranked opponents. Like Duke lost one game in the regular season. They lost to Kenyon Martin and Steve Logan from that uh, Cincinnati team. Michigan state lost to all ranked teams, all on the road or neutral floors. Auburn was the only one that lost to an unranked opponent. They lost to Arkansas and UConn lost to 16 Syracuse, number 15, Miami. Looking at bracketmatrix.com right now, the top four seeds, Bama, Purdue, Houston, and Kansas, they already have 13 losses total and four losses to unranked opponents. And we're only halfway through February here. So it's not our imagination. Comparing apples to apples, this one line stinks. And I've just had it. I, I think I, it was the tipping point for me. 
essentially what you were talking about, you know, my Lehigh buddies were like, all right, give me a late night winner. I was like, well, a live number you can probably jump in on Arizona minus five against Stanford. How do you give up that many points to Stanford? I know it was on their home floor. Like, ah, just shame on me for believing that Arizona had turned the corner with that little win streak. 88 88 points. It's like, I was watching the game. I couldn't believe it. But the amount of open threes they were giving up, second chance points. I know Tubelas had a rough game as well. It's like, I've just kind of had it. And the only thing that I brought up on the last pod, which was when Stucky says that Tennessee's dead, go ahead on the money line. I did the same thing again. I took Mizzou plus the points, but not on the money line. So at least I'm hitting winners. But at this point in the season, who can you trust? The answer is nobody. Um, and at least I, I try to bring some factual uh, intel here to the pod that it really is worse than you think. Yeah, I mean, my list still, like Alabama, I was impressed with their win. I know, I mean, Auburn, I thought Auburn played really well, and they, you know, they missed every shot down the stretch. But that's that's a hard, tough environment. Alabama gets a ton of credit for that win. Um, the only team in the country, do you know the only team in the country that doesn't have a loss to an unranked team? Kansas that's it so even if yeah. you look like yeah. Houston lost the Temple right. yeah. Alabama lost Oklahoma Purdue just lost the Northwestern I think it's it's only Kansas BJ any rant from the weekend anything uh you took away that you want to mention yeah I mean I have a couple rants I mean one I had the under in West Virginia and Texas and it wasn't looking good to start and Texas obviously was blowing them out by 30 and it was coming down the stretch Texas was kind of holding the ball, and it's like, oh, the under's actually looking pretty well here. Um, and then both teams combined for, you know, they like – 30 points in the final minute, right? Yeah, uh, there were five three-pointers in the final two and a half, three minutes. Um, they only made 16 yeah, was... total threes the entire game, and, of course, the under doesn't hit there. And then I had Boston University on the road against Lafayette. They had a plus four. They were down two with 45 seconds left. They get a charge call uh, with, with 14 seconds left. So they get the ball. They're rotating the ball around. They have a wide open three-pointer to, to win the game. He pump fakes. The defender goes flying by. He makes a runner to tie it, to go to overtime, and they lose by four, and they push. So that was a pretty horrible way to lose that one. But other than that, it was a decent Saturday. The one big takeaway I had, like I was actually pretty impressed with UCLA, and I think there's going to be an opportunity to maybe buy them in the futures market. And I – they might be the second best team in the country behind Alabama. I'm not, I, I mean, that was a very, very impressive win in a bad spot against Oregon and coming up, they have the patented uh, altitude trip to Utah and Colorado two weeks from now. So if they stumble through that, you know, they're sitting at, you know, 14, 15 to one right now, if they can drop to 20, you know, they, they finish out with the two Arizona schools at home and if they win the Pac-12 tournament, there's a world where they could potentially get a one seed here. Now, I know, you know, it, I don't know if it'll matter too much between a one or a two here, given what we've already mentioned with how weak the one seeds are. But I don't know. I, through Throughout the season, I just keep saying, like, oh, you just can't do it with mid-range jumpers. But then I keep looking back, and I'm like, well, you said they already went to the Final Four, <laughs> just basically doing mid-range jumpers. And they're pretty automatic. They're, they're shooting 43% from mid-range. So it's an outstanding defense. They turn you over a ton. It's, yeah, I I've been I was very impressed by that win. And I'm wondering if there's a potential buy opportunity for them in the futures market or if they are going to potentially be on the one line uh, come March. Yeah, the one line, it's, it's, it's kind of wide open um, as of right now. 
So they certainly could get there. As a reminder, before we go any further, college basketball season is in full swing. So get in on the action with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 1-800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, good stuff there. Let's move on to Tuesday night, tonight's card, and talk some winners mike i'll throw it to you you got one or two circle for tonight let's start it with butler getting 10 and a half at nova butler's covered three straight including outright wins over st john's and xavier at hinkle but it's really about manny bates you know he came back from injury he was really rusty in those first three or four games but his last two 17 points per game five boards four blocks in those two wins per game and no foul trouble whatsoever him staying on the floor really gives them a shot and they're up against a Nova team that's one of the worst rebounding teams in the Big East, which kind of negates the fact that Butler's been really bad in almost all the defense rebounding metrics this season. Nova's going to play at a slow pace. We know this. They're the slowest team in the Big East, 317th of possessions per game. And then finally, it's just not the same Jay Wright coach Nova team defensively. They're 208th in three-point percentage allowed, um, 205th in effective uh, field goal percentage on the opponent's side. So I think Butler's a live dog here. I think it'll be a, a single-digit win for Nova. So I'm happy to go over that, you know, to get to get, get to double digits at 10 and a half. Like it? Anything else? Did you have anything else for tonight? Yeah, I had one other. Um, I think this is the right spot to get the best effort out of the Lobos from New Mexico. They're laying 10 and a half against a wounded Wyoming team. Wyoming is one and five against the spread on the road this year, failing to cover by an average of eight points per game. So pretty, pretty drastic there. You can get whatever you want when you play Wyoming, you know, in terms of your offense, the 323rd in effective field goal percentage, 320th and three point percentage defense, You're just leaving people wide open left and right. They only force 11 turnovers per game, which is really bad. So in terms of pressure, there's none. And Hunter Malnado has been a shell of his former self, you know, scoring is down four and a half points per game year over year. Assists are cut in half, rebounds are down, and they need him to basically don the Superman cape just to be competitive in a game like this at the pit. So I'm going to go ahead and, and back Mashburn and House to have a good game. This is a game New Mexico absolutely has to have. It looks like they ran out of gas after those back-to-back overtime games about three weeks ago, and they've lost a couple close games. I think this is their opportunity to get right and get back focused and potentially you know, be a team that should be taken seriously to receive an at-large bid, but they got to win this one convincingly. I think this is a good number. I'd play it all the way up to New Mexico minus 13. 
Yeah, I mean, House is a game-time decision. I think he's going to play, but it's a hammy, and he didn't play on Friday when they lost to Air Force, but they lost three straight. It's a great spot. And the Wyoming, I mean, Wild Nut is just being asked to do so much. They have, I mean, they're down to six scholarship players. Um, it's it's just a tough situation for Wyoming, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Jeff Linder, but it's tough to see what happened with Wyoming. Um, and, like, Graham Ike, who's the comp- preseason conference player of the year, doesn't play a single play and then red shirts. And then, you know, you have all the injuries. Then you kick off three people get kicked off the team last week. And it's, uh, it's, it's a bad situation for Wyoming. BJ, what do you got for tonight? Yeah, I was also on the Butler Villanova game. I actually like the over 129 points. So it looks like Chuck Harris is also going to be back for Butler uh, after missing the last three games of the concussion. You know, that previous meeting you mentioned, Mike, you know, Manny Bates has obviously been very big for Butler. He didn't play in the previous meeting against Villanova and Butler still put up, 1.22 1.22 points per possession. And that's because Villanova, obviously, like you mentioned, a terrible defensive rebounding team, but they're also allowing the second most shots in the country at the rim. And Butler for the season's close shooting close to 60% on shots at the rim. So very, very good matchup for Butler. And then the flip side, Butler's pretty average at defending the three-point line. And obviously Villanova takes a ton of threes. But the other matchup I I kind of like in them with the total, uh Kansas State, Oklahoma. Well, uh, that was a Poor performance from Oklahoma on Saturday. Uh, four for 17 from behind the arc against Kansas. Uh, but they only shot 41% from inside the arc, which is, which is a very big problem if you're going to face Kansas State because they're an elite three-point defense. So if you can't score from inside against them, it's it's very difficult to see how Oklahoma is going to be efficient offensively. And they are dead last in offensive efficiency in Big 12 play. They're dead last in free throw rate, turnover percentage, basically all the areas that Kansas State struggles with defensively Oklahoma's dead last in the big 12 offensively they also do a ton of isolation sets they're a high frequency cutting team Kansas State's top 65 and points per possession allowed on both those cents Kansas State on the flip side they are shooting the ball well from behind the arc but the reality is it's like a lot of their field goal attempts are coming from inside the arc they're the fourth highest frequency team in terms of shot attempts at the rim and they're only shooting 59 percent on those shots which is 216th in the country Kansas State also the highest frequency cutting team in the country, but they're 130th in points per possession on those cuts. Oklahoma only allowing around 55% on shot attempts at the rim, and they're also top 90 in points per possession allowed off of cuts. Kansas State's going to want to push the pace, but the only reality, the reality here is Oklahoma is going to have to slow things down uh, to give them a chance and grind this game out. So I like under 141 and a half points in Kansas State, Oklahoma. Yeah, I played. I played Oklahoma. I could. I, this game is going to set up. Yeah, I agree. It's going to set up as a grinder. I played Oklahoma plus one. I think they're now minus one. I'd still play it smaller. Um, I don't think that they should be an underdog in this spot. And Kansas State, different team away from home this year. They have some shooting regression coming their way in a negative way. Oklahoma, I think, is on the opposite. And I, I don't think Oklahoma has been as bad as their record has been. And I think you'll get a really good effort. I think Moser still has them buying in. So I, I don't think that they're like at a, at risk of being like a team that folds up or quits after Saturday. I think you'll get a good effort here um, against a Kansas State team that's just they're just different away from home. But my favorite bet probably today, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Auburn minus six and a half at home against Missouri. It's number one. It's a great spot. I mean, Missouri is coming off that miraculous win against Tennessee where they won 86 to 85. They also have been a different team away from home for the most part. But, you know, Auburn now has lost five of six. 
And we know how much better they are at home in the jungle. Their erratic guards just play so much better up until the you know final two minutes of that Alabama game. But from a matchup perspective against Auburn, I mean, they you can crush them on the offensive glass. That's not a strength of Missouri. It doesn't have a ton of size. Missouri not that elite at getting to the line, which is a problem for Auburn. The other side of the ball, again, with that lack of size, Auburn should be able to absolutely – dominate the offensive glass so they they have been shooting very poorly they're not a great three-point shooting team at home they're a little better i do think they still have some positive regression they'll get some shots up here look i think that they're due to make a little bit more but if they miss them they're going to get every offensive rebound in this game Uh, missouri wants to play faster which i think you know in this game at auburn on the road i think that plays right into auburn's hands i think it's a great buy low sell high spot on auburn who could run Missouri out of the gym here. Missouri offense has been awesome, but that defense, they just allow you to score too many points. I mean, look, what Tennessee put up 85, that and this kind of spot at Auburn, that sets up for very high blowout potential. So give me the Tigers at home in a bounce back on Tuesday night. I think that'll, that'll do it for us. Quick little episode Tuesday night. We will be back, maybe on a guest this week, I'll see. We're going to start to have some conference specialty guests um, each and every week. We'll add a futures uh, to a futures bet to our futures portfolio. We will talk the weekend, the week that was, and we'll have a do a little buy buy low, sell high for a specific conference. So should be a fun episode as always. Thanks to all of you for tuning in as always. Uh, in addition to Mike and VJ for joining me and our audio and video teams on the back end. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe, leave a review. Tell a friend, tell an enemy. Appreciate all of you guys listening. Let's have a week. We'll catch y'all later in the week. Make sure if you catch the three-man weave also midweek. We'll see you later in the week. Cheers. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.